Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast from SturdyMcKee.com. Hey, welcome and thank you for listening or watching the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I'm Sturdy McKee, a business coach and advisor and your host for the podcast. I'm excited today to have Heather Coven here. Uh, Heather is the founder and owner of GoGo Done, and she is based out of Eugene, Oregon. Um, thanks so much for being here, Heather. Thank you for having me, Sturdy. So will you please tell our listeners uh, a little bit more about who you are and what you do? So the who, who I am part, um, really, I will say the I've spent a lot of time um, early in my career in mental health. I uh, have a counseling degree and spent some time uh, counseling clients and moved into, sadly, went the typical burnout route. And from there, I ended up in marketing for about a decade uh, and some business management and helping to run some small businesses. So I have a little bit of a mixed bag, but always coming from uh, a relational and empathetic kind of background and a humanistic kind of frame of mind. And so now that uh, my current business is called Go Go Done, and it's about co-working online. So kind of like a, a WeWork for, um, you know, on Zoom. So I bring people together on Zoom, put them in breakout rooms together, and we do a couple of different productivity work sessions. So you could do a 25 minute Pomodoro. That's from a Italian researcher who has said mm -hmm. to, for mental acuity, work in 25 minute increments with five minute breaks. So you take the break together and you get to do some networking. And when you network with the same people repeatedly, you start to build a little bit of community. So there's that humanistic side of things that will always permeate whatever I do because it's my passion. So really trying to help people build relationships while also kind of meeting their aspirations. And then there's a couple of spinoffs that came from GoGo -Go Done. So under the GoGo -Go Done umbrella is something called GoGo -Go Sprint, which is a two-week sprint, similar model, but one project and one dedicated group of people. And then we have a premium community called GoGo -Go Publish, which is a, a group of people who are looking to usually build a business, um, solopreneurs looking to build a business or maybe somebody working and trying to develop a side gig. And the social media algorithms are very unfriendly. And so we help promote each other's content. At the same time, we help each other develop higher level content and then figure out how to, as a solopreneur, launch and build your audience and build your business. So we learn that together. And then there are some components in the, in the community that help with that. Very cool. Very cool. So tell us a little bit more about GoGo Done and what, what the company does. So GoGo -Go Done is for anyone. Uh, but it is especially for people who are feeling alone and isolated out there. So uh, I, I had started it as a small experiment within an alumni community. Uh, for those who are marketing nerds, Seth Godin has an alumni community if you take one of his courses. And I had taken his Alt-MBA, which is kind of the pinnacle of your Seth Godin courses, to get into the alumni community, honestly, because I knew it would be like this fabulous Petri dish where you could experiment and try things. And, and I wasn't getting my work done the way I wanted to. And I felt like I had all this potential that was unrealized. And so I got in there and er there are many earlier versions of what ended up being Go Go Dana, but I got to experiment there with a lot of people. So um, once I had experimented for about a year, it coincided with me getting laid off during COVID. Thank you very much. But um, that really was, um, it was a really rough, but also a huge opportunity for me because it allowed me to go full-time into Go Go Done and to develop it. So that was, that was really fantastic. And how did you, how did you start it up and, and develop it? I mean, you'd already been kind of playing around and working with some of this stuff. 
So being having uh, access to that group of people who I knew were most of the people who are attracted to something like a Seth Godin workshop and that community, they're they're I don't know how familiar your listeners will be with the adoption curve, but I bet a lot of people will will ring a bell when you hear innovators, early adopters, late adopters, and laggards. This is a bucket full of innovators. So you can put up something halfway done and say, who wants to try something new? And people are like, yes, me. I'll try it. It sounds weird. Let's do it. So I got to just play. I would just post in that uh, online community and say, who wants to try this? Like I ran into a picture of my first session and I probably had 12 people there. I have sessions now that, I mean, now I, I was running three sessions at the beginning. Now I run like 25 and some of them are small. The European ones are pretty decent, but I have some Australian ones that tend to be small, like that kind of thing. But it was just like, it was just this, uh, a huge group of innovators. So it made it really easy to prototype. And I think one of the areas that's growing when we look at entrepreneurship is the idea of, um, of shipping something that you can test. If you mm-hmm. sit on something and wait to, to ship it to the consumer for a year, I mean, you're just money down the drain. You have to have that feedback. And so it was really a nice place to, to find you. And there are online communities for everything everywhere. And you can, mm-hmm. if you're offering something and it's an experiment, you will find those innovators. So if you have an idea, if you're in the incubation phase, you find a community and you throw something out there and see if it sticks. So that's really what happened. And I iterated, iterated, iterated. But I never went too long without experimenting with something to try to find something that worked really well. I still am not there. Uh, right now, the real stuck point is people having the courage to show up into a group of strangers. I'm basically asking people to face one of their greatest fears, which is to come to the cocktail party alone and try to have a conversation. Part of my structure helps with that because I'm going to tell you who to talk to and what to talk about, right? I put people in these breakout rooms. And I've also very carefully created the culture or I have the people who have shown up and um, have co-created the culture with me, but I'm very particular. Like I'm not Facebook ads everywhere because I don't want somebody who doesn't fit the culture showing up. So I've really pushed word of mouth, which is of course, a very slow mode of growth. Um, so that comes with its own challenges. But if you talk to anyone and the work I've done around my target market and their pain points and all of that, it's really people feeling isolated and wanting a sense of community, whether they're entrepreneurs or not. We have people working corporate jobs who just feel isolated or it's not the most nurturing environment. It could right, be a small right. A, but it's not a huge group of people that's going to cheer you on and that's going to have your best interest at heart because there's no consequence for them. You know, I, I don't have a, it, it, I'm not vying for the same um, promotion you are. I'm not a boss who's trying to hit some numbers, who's yelling at you for whatever. It's, you know, we're all there to support one another. So that's been one of those, you know, I started it to get, to be better about getting work done a lot as being a remote worker for a long time. Like I have spent some time doing laundry when I should not have been doing laundry. So I understand that about myself. I 100% built GoGo done for me. Um, but it just is, it's a, a really nice way to, to get the work done. But what really blossomed out of it and what the business has said back to me is yes, getting work done is nice, but who you do it with makes all the difference. I have not been lonely a single day in COVID, like not at all. And there uh, more a week or two hasn't gone by where I haven't gotten to meet somebody new, often from a different country doing some kind of different kind of work. Like when we do masterminds, you should try masterminding somebody from a different country in a different industry and see what happens. If you want innovation, don't go hang out with the same people in the same industry again and again. Like it's just blown my mind the kinds of things that have happened by having this diverse um, group coming together, whether it's a five minute break or a structure, we do some structured masterminds in one of the spinoffs, a 25 minute structured mastermind, multiple kinds of feedback, specific questions, et cetera. 
Right. So you you started go go got done. Excuse me, go go done. Not that long ago. How are you liking the entrepreneurial lifestyle? <laughs> I am one hundred percent not a serial entrepreneur. <laughs> Um, when go, go done, whether go, go done works or doesn't work, I won't be like, I can't wait to get on to the next thing. Like I'm all in with go, go done. I will find a way to make it work. Um, Mm -hmm. but I'm not that person who wants to start one business after another. I want to create a place that I want to stay for a long time that has, um, evolves within it. And I will say the sprint and the publish pieces, were experiments. I just did an experiment today with a networking piece. Like I get to be entrepreneurial minded within the business because I do like experimentation and trying new things. So I have that need. But income, when it comes to something entrepreneurial and something you're trying to sell to somebody, that that comes with, will I pay the bills? And I don't have any paid employees yet. I have wonderful, wonderful volunteer hosts um, who I am indebted to for the rest of my life. I hope to pay them someday, right? But I'm very much in startup mode. We're about six months into getting paid, a year and a half into, you know, the first year was the experimentation. So I find that to be like my favorite form of of income is subscriber income because it's a little more reliable. They can always cancel their subscription, but I know what's coming through each month. And then the go-go sprint, of course, is two-week sprints. And so that's that variable part of the income. And I have lost plenty of sleep about who's going to register and what time to run it and all of those different things. So there's, I I definitely am not, I'm not totally risk averse, but I'm not that risk taker. I don't want to live on the edge. I want to, I like my house. I want to keep paying for it. Like I want to be there and I don't have aspirations to be, you know, wildly rich or anything like that. I want to, I want to do my travel. I want to do the things I want to do, but I'm not a a convention, the kind of entrepreneur that people put on TV or that people celebrate that, you know, I'm the everyday person entrepreneur who has a passion and wants to live the passion rather than check a bunch of boxes or, you know, be famous or anything along those lines. Well, that's a great point. Cause I think that's a dirty little secret that most entrepreneurs are really more like you. Right. And we, and we, what was it? You know, we spent all this time focusing on the unicorns and the VCs and what have you. And I think VCs are only like 0.05% of the investment money that goes into beginning businesses and that type of thing. So it's really a tiny, tiny niche, but it's kind of cool to write about and the media love it. But so that we get a really distorted view of what this can all mean. And um, yeah, I can relate to what you're talking about because earlier on hearing all these stories, hearing even people I knew, like having started multiple businesses and what have you, for some reason, I thought that was something I was supposed to do. And I started kind of taking on their goals as opposed to really slowing down, being true to myself and figuring out what I wanted, what I really wanted to do. And when I did that and, you know, owned it and wasn't worried about what other people thought anymore, it, it just worked on so many different levels. Right. So I commend you for getting to that so quickly, so early in this journey. Um, and I think that'll resonate with a lot of folks who, who end up listening. Fear is a great teacher. <laughs> well, you know, what's it's not just me fear. Up at night. It's like, that's part of it. When we glamorize these guys, these folks, women, all of them, you know, as like risk takers, like as, you know, as if they're doing parkour and squirrel suits or something. And that's not our normal life, right? We want to, we want to take risks. We want to be very deliberate with it. And I love what you talked about, like with testing being in an innovative culture and group 
a good environment to test things out. You know, you take your risk in that it's not perfect, it's not finished, but you're also saving and protecting a lot of your time, right? Because right? if Serial you make entrepreneurs it- are passionate about being entrepreneurs. I'm passionate exactly. about building productivity community and a supportive place where people can take their aspirations and make them real, right? So I'm not- I'm not a serial entrepreneur and the people that I think get featured are the people whose passion is entrepreneurship, not entrepreneurship is a way for me to practice my passion. Oh, I love it. That's, uh, thank you very, very much for sharing that. I think that's a super important, you know, share and lesson for folks. Um, so another one, another huge challenge for most business owners, entrepreneurs is time and, uh, you know, getting things done. So you literally created a company to specifically address this. Um, but is there any other advice like that you apply personally um, that you would give to other business owners, any tricks that, that they might be able to use with um, struggling who are, who are struggling with not having enough time? Yeah. So, uh, so many, I mean, you're really starting to hit my passion, my bread and butter. Um, number one, if you are busy, you have not prioritized properly. There are the things you must get done and the things that would be nice to get done and be very clear about those and understand that once you move from what must get done to what would be nice to get done, you better double check that that's worth time away from partners, kids, hobbies, right? So getting some clarity on that. Number two, part of the productivity cycle is reflection, which people usually don't do and Mm -hmm. self-care. Like if you're not sleeping, you're not doing your business any favors, you're not doing anyone around you any favors. And it's, we just are so desperate to check the next thing on the box. And somebody else has something on every social media channel. So I better be on every single social media channel. I'm on one. I'm on mm-hmm. one. I, yes, I would like to be on all of them. I am one person. And is, is that going to actually bring me more business? It might, but there are things I can do that, were, that will absolutely either help me retain current customers or bring in really high quality customers. So I have a real, a lot of clarity around that. And I reflect on it a lot and have further and further levels of clarity. So I'm probably going to move from one of my social channels to another. And I'm doing a lot of thinking about that and what have you. I'm not, everybody's on every channel. Well, the people who have giant marketing teams are on every social media channel. So what are you asking yourself to do? And if you normally have a team of people doing it, it's an unreasonable ask. So don't do too much. Get really clear on your priorities. Make sure you get that downtime and that rest time. And then the other thing I would say is, and and I often, um, when I present, will present about using environmental design and kind of the Mm. new version of environmental design is about creating the kind of environment where you achieve your goals rather than using willpower. We do know that willpower is finite and then it runs out. And if you are stressed out, and especially if you're not sleeping, and especially if you're worried about the revenue for this month, that's your, your willpower. Mm, no. So, um, so I think a lot of people, when they hit remote work, which I've been doing for decades, they were like, oh my gosh, I can't get done, anything done at home. And then when they think about paying for a service to help them with that, whether it's a coach, whether it's 20 bucks a month at go, go done, whatever it is, everybody's going to need something different, but what think about paying for it. They think, well, I can just do that myself. And I spent a good amount of time saying, my gosh, I'm not going to pay for a co-working space back when we could be in each other's spaces. Uh, Cause I could just do the work at home. And it's like, how many days have you not doing the work at home before you realize you're blowing smoke up your own rear. You're not going to do it. You're going to do today exactly what you did yesterday. And maybe you have one good day, but it's like, no face reality. Um, something that's fun to do. Gretchen Rubin has a four tendencies quiz. Mm-hmm. If you just go Gretchen Rubin, four tendencies, the quiz will pop right up. 
And although it's not science, it's a really nice frame of reference. Um, and there's, it's about how you respond to expectations, internal and external. So an external mm. expectation would be the friend you're going to meet for a workout, your boss who asked for the report to be done, et cetera. Right. Internal are the goals I set for myself. So I'm what 60% of people are, which is an obliger. And that's somebody where if you ask me to do it, you know, I'll be there and I will do it. If I set a goal, I'm probably on the couch with a glass of wine. So I hated myself for that for a long time. And then I finally was like, okay, well, how do you use this uh, to ensure you meet your goals? I thought I didn't, I thought I must not be serious about my goals or I must be a lazy person by nature. I had all these just very negative thoughts about myself. And one of the things I say to people time and time again, it's not you, it's your tactics. If you want something that you don't find you're able to do it, it's not that you're a bad person, a lazy person or whatever. Try something different. So that's why you'll see when people get a coach, it's not like you can Google anything that will come out of a coach's mouth. The great thing about a coach is that <laughs> they get to know you and they know when to say the right thing at the right time and they right. hold you accountable. And so right. it's not the specific information, it's the building of the relationship, which is why relationship is a big part of Go Go Done because that's what keeps you showing up is people caring about one another. And then I think helping is just as effective as being helped. So a lot of times if you're really stuck, go give somebody else some help uh, and sometimes mm -hmm. that will open up some doors. But back to the obliger piece, I want to make sure I come full circle on that. I need other people involved. And if you look at what Go Go Den is, you're like clearly like, oh, I see Heather, you've created a therapy for yourself. <laughs> like I have work sessions to show up to. Um, and I have, you know, the sprint is where I take my project work. And I built Go Go Publish literally because I don't enjoy doing social media marketing. I needed to do it for the business and I wasn't doing it. And what happened when I built it was an infrastructure for when you should be drafting content and how you should be promoting it, help promoting it, getting mm -hmm. feedback, et cetera. I built the structure that I needed um, to do. And then I brought in other people. And hands down, when it comes to environmental design, the most effective thing you can do is engage somebody else in one way or another. Some people, a text check-in is fine. Other people need the coaching appointment, the show up, the hold mm -hmm. my feet to the fire. And there's nothing wrong or right with either of those people. It is your style. It's how you operate. The sooner you embrace it, the sooner your problem solving around what you want to get done um, gets better and more accurate. So if you, if you set the same goal two weeks in a row and say, I'll try harder, stop. Stop and go Google something. Go try something different. Get somebody else involved. No, that's great. That's great. I remember hearing from somebody they had an accountability buddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So um, not a, it wasn't a good friend. It was somebody they've known a long time, but they don't, you know, hang out, but they check in every morning, 10 minutes, update on, you know, whatever it is they're doing, their goals yep. and, and, and all that type of stuff and helps keep them accountable. I agree. There's so many different things. Hopefully a good coach will curate some of the information. So you're not in overwhelm overload, but yeah, right. you're, we're not inventing new things, right? A lot in a lot of cases we're and even with your business, right? You're repurposing and bringing to life science fact-based things yep. that are gonna help people be more productive and connect. I love it. So you mentioned that isolation. One of the things I run into and I see a lot is entrepreneurs thinking that they're the only one encountering this challenge or this problem today and feeling really alone with that. Um, do you have anything you'd like to share about like what challenges you're kind of running into and what you're planning to do to, to deal with those? Yeah, uh, I think my current challenges, I, I feel like GoGo Done for me was an experiment for a while and it was like, can I actually charge for this? Will this actually work? And it's, it's really working. I certainly don't have income replacement from my day job, 
but I don't, it's, it's going to be a real business. Like I'm mm-hmm. crossing that threshold. So the first thing I need to do is move from serving, um, those, um, innovators on back to our adoption curve, our innovators, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, adopters, mm-hmm. late adopters, laggards. I need to move from serving innovators because I'm past that point and I need to step into early adopters and they have different pain points. There's not enough innovators to, to pay the bills. Innovators try and move on. They're not your loyal customers most often. Um, right. So I need to start catering to, um, to early adopters, which means I need to polish things up. Innovators will hit no problems with glitches. It's just a sign that they're on the newest thing. I need to get rid of all the glitches. I need to polish things up. I need you know, the worksheets I do to be fillable PDFs and just all those little bits and pieces. They just need to be polished up. And then my messaging, and I think this is where I'm really struggling, is transitioning from an innovator's message. I'm like so floored that people won't show up. But I cannot tell you how many people sturdy say, your business is such a great idea. I tell everyone I know. And the person talking to me has never come to a session. And I'm like, <laughs> why aren't you in a session? I thought you think it's a great. So I'm like, I've got it. I've got this great idea. And everybody says it's great. You can't look at what people say. People are nice more times than not. Look at right. their behaviors. And they're not showing up. It's too scary. And so I'm looking at things like bring a friend and, and different things to take that fear factor off. But right. that's where my struggle is. It's like, I have really transitioned. My, my um, customer has transitioned a little bit. And my target market has transitioned a little bit now that I've got my feet under me and I've launched. So I'm going through all that marketing stuff all over again, right? Refining, mm-hmm. refining, refining for that new group. And then I also really need to, you know, I was never interested in managing people. Having been in mental health and having mandated clients, given a team to manage who may or may not have opted to be there or who may be there for the health insurance is like a nightmare. Like, I, you know, and I didn't dislike my mandated clients, but they didn't choose to be there. It's like, well, what are we going to talk about? Like, what are we going to do? And you can try to work with them and blah, blah, blah. It's not, we should both have the same goal or be pointed in the same direction. That's what right. I want to work with. So I've shied away from having like employees and teams and I've shied away from leadership basically. And so I really need to right now. And I think the first half of 2021 is this is a real business. You're a real leader, whether you choose to be or not, whether you put that label on yourself or not, your lack of communication is causing problems with the wonderful volunteers who are hosting your sessions. That's on you. That's a leadership failure. So I'm having to reassess and say, oh gosh, you know, what do I need to do as a leader? Who do I need to be as a leader? And I feel like I have a lot of the groundwork. Um, I do a lot of self-reflection stuff and personal development. I've been in mental health for years, you know, so I, I feel like uh, I have a sense of my ego and my self-awareness and all those things. I, I operate largely from empathy. I've got like a lot of good building blocks but I haven't stepped into my role as a leader and I haven't defined what my role as a leader is, what I want it to look like. And I don't have, you know, and like I say, you need to have other people. You always need to have other people. So who's going to help me be a good leader, both within my organization and who's going to be my reality check outside uh, the organization. Mm -hmm. So I I need maybe a mastermind group or whatever. I haven't, haven't cracked that nut yet. This has been a relatively recent realization. And I think there'll be some kind of support or mastermind group associated with it. It'll probably be called go-go leadership or something. I'll build it for myself <laughs> because I won't show up otherwise. But, um, but I, I need to step into that role as a leader and see, um, and, and that for me is really uncomfortable. I want people to believe in themselves, not believe in me. And although they can primarily be, it, my business can primarily be about them believing in themselves. If they don't believe in me on some level, why, right. why would you be there? Why would right. you be there? So that Uh, humility part of myself starts to be like, well, don't put yourself at the center. Don't put yourself at the center. And the better question is, 
when do I belong in the center? And when do I belong a step back and highlighting someone else or highlighting the individuals or the community as a whole? And I've been avoiding that question. Um, I just always try to put the community in the center or my hosts in the center. And it's like, sometimes you have to do it, so. Well, that's not a bad way, and if, if you'll allow me. One of the things I, a lot of us have had, and this may, may or may not apply to, to your experience, but there, I run into a lot of clients that have a hard time stepping into that role. In, and what I find is a lot of it has to do with their past experience with managers and supposed leaders and how they were treated. And they see that and they don't want to be that guy, you know, and, and, and that ends up being a real inhibitor in them making any kind of transition. So mindset wise, what I asked them to do, and I, I hope this is helpful, think about the person you had as kind of a mentor early in your career that was outside your organization perhaps, or maybe inside, but they weren't your direct supervisor. They were somebody that you could call up and ask questions of, and you know, they were supportive, but they probably also expected a lot from you. You know, they challenged you, they pushed you, they saw things you didn't see, um, you know, that person. Or if you played sports, what's the best coach you ever had? Because your great coaches, they demand a lot, right? but they're not abusive and they're not dysfunctional. They're there to really empower the players to be the best players they can be and give them the skills, give them the resources, give them the, you know, contribute to the mindset and self-reflection to be that great player. So if you can think about those things, for me anyway, that really helps kind of operationalize it a little bit and make it less about me and more about, wow, could I be more, could I model the behaviors that I really admired, you know, as opposed to all the managers I've had, you know, and, and there have been a couple of good ones, right? But I've had a lot of jobs over my lifetime and, and I, yeah, I can count the great managers on two fingers, right? Oh. So, <laughs> right, so that's not where I go for my, like, who do I wanna be, what do I wanna do? It's really in this other context where folks were far more supportive and it, you know, a great coach, the team's not about them, right? But they've still got to step up every so often and they've got to give that feedback and they've got to push and provide, you know, all the things. So, right. no, yeah. very cool. Very yeah, cool. If you can find a role model or um, a mentor and I, mm -hmm. that's where... That's where I've had it. I have had experiences in the past with people who have done things that I have definitely admired as a mentor to me. But my struggle has been that, you know, they're modeling a little bit of leadership, but I haven't been coached on leadership. And I think getting some, whether it's in a mastermind format, which would be more affordable than a coach or mm -hmm. actually investing in myself and paying for a coach, which I, I advocate for, as long as it's not taking food out of your kids' mouths, it's one of the best right. ways that you can uh, invest in yourself. Um, I think is, is really important to spend that time reflecting on who you want to be, how you want to, how you want to do it. So, um, so yeah, I'm hundred percent on board with everything that you said. No, that's great. So um, what's your proudest moment so far in business? Oh, my proudest moment. Uh, I think, I don't know. It's a hard one to answer because I kind of just woke up one day and the 
and realized I had a business. There wasn't one moment where I feel like I crossed a threshold. So I feel like it's that kind of just that collection of small successes over time that coalesced. Mm -hmm. And one day I looked over and there was a big enough pile of them that I was like, this is, this is a real thing. So, but I'll say uh, for the, for maybe the warm fuzzy moment, um, when I run a go-go sprint, especially we it's, so that's the two weeks together with a dedicated group. We do a mid sprint check-in and then a final sprint checkout. And there have been a couple where there's been a combination, where it's just, I have, I have quite a few repeat participants and I built a, I, I try to educate through the structure. So here's, you're just going to do this thing. And by the end, you're going to realize that you learned a skill, right? So, and mine is a lot around time estimation and project, you know, planning and et cetera, et cetera. So how to effectively run a project, um, and, and have something deliverable. And I had uh, maybe, I don't think it was last sprint, I think it was the one before, um, where I just had multiple people who had been through multiple sprints and the way they were talking about themselves and their own behaviors and their own skill level, they just have gotten really great at setting a goal and achieving it and making it happen and making, you know, nothing goes as expected and they make their pivots and then they have their insights. They do the reflection, they do all the work. Right. So to see where I was like, I'm going to try this thing and hopefully it works. And to just see through other people, see my business succeed through other people's success and them getting what they want and feeling good about themselves is probably like the biggest high. I ride that high for weeks after it happens because it's just so, so wonderful to see people feeling empowered and feeling, you know, I felt for so long, like something was wrong with me. And I just hate to see that in people. And that's the point of go, go done when it comes to. Um, why I'm here to serve others is to be like, it's not you, it's your tactics. Learn something new. When you finally get your feet under you and you're like, yeah, I know how to do this. I can't wait to set the next goal because I know I can achieve it, even if it's a rocky road or it takes longer than I thought. That empowerment and that self-possession is just, it's intoxicating. That's really cool. Very, very cool. Um, so is there anything you've learned recently? I mean, you're in this massive learning curve right now, right? <laughs> but anything recently that you wish you had known before you ever jumped into this or maybe, you know, up to five years ago? I think, um, I think the most recent thing that I probably, that really has hit home is I need to look at outsourcing my weaknesses. And that's gonna be, you know, I formed an LLC hmm. I have a CPA, but there are some other pieces around the mechanics of running a business. I have a lot of experience in marketing. I don't need to outsource that yet. I would love to, but it, you know, I, I can do those pieces of it. But nice. in, in doing some of the other pieces, I really need to look at, um, at sitting down, really getting serious with the numbers and really looking at the pieces that are not my strength. I mean, I feel like if you can, if you can afford to outsource it, immediately outsource it because do I want, do I want to do my taxes or do I want somebody who does taxes for a living to do my taxes? They go so fast. They know all the shortcuts. They know all the things I don't know. They stay up to date on all the changes, all of that. You can't, in my marketing career, I got to the point where I was a marketing generalist for two different small businesses in a row. They're small businesses. I was the marketing department mm -hmm. and I was getting to the point where I was like, I cannot keep up. I either need a staff or I need to specialize. Like how fast, the uh, Mac system is coming up with something that's going to totally screw up Facebook ads. Like, it's like, I, I'm supposed to keep up right. on that. Like, right. 
I mean, Facebook ads themselves practically require a college degree at this point. Like, oh my gosh. So, um, so you can only be a generalist for so long. And as your business grows, being really cognizant about your strengths and weaknesses and looking at what's the next thing I'm going to have to budget to outsource because I mm-hmm. shouldn't be doing it any as I should do it as for a small amount of time as possible because I'm not very competent at it. Yeah, no, that's a great point. We can't be experts at everything and get pulled in so many different directions. Yeah. Um, so any articles or any resources that you're reading or looking at lately that you really like that you would recommend to folks? Oh, so many. So um, <laughs> I would say if you're interested in using environmental design uh, mm-hmm. to impact your behavior, uh, Benjamin Hardy's Willpower Doesn't Work is probably the best compilation of things. You know, I've read McGonagall's um, The Willpower Instinct and James Clear's Atomic Habits and all that. They have a heavy willpower element in there, mm-hmm. um, which is not bad to learn and to know. They're useful tools. But Hardy takes like the hardcore line of like, give up willpower. No, don't even try it. Like, and I say- A definitely. finite resource. Yes, it is a finite resource. So what happens on a stressful day? And then it just gives you these extra tools to be like, okay, so now I'm not screwing up, but what does it look like for me to be awesome? And GoGo Done has been a place that has made me awesome because I can actually, when you work with somebody else, I mean, their focus increases your focus, which increases their focus. Like you're just like superpowered. So you can use environmental design in whatever way works for you, right? That's totally what works for me, but you'll, you'll, you'll pull it from there. I think it's hugely important. And I see this all the time because we talked about this earlier where you have too much to do and you're worn out and whatever. The book Burnout by the Nagoski sisters, I think it's Emily and I can't remember the other sister's name, but it really is talking about physiologically what happens in the stress cycle. It is geared Mm. towards women. Everybody should read it. There's plenty in there to generalize for humans. Um, There are, I found maybe 80% of it is like about humans and 20% is, is female specific. Um, and, uh, I think that that's really important because we don't, especially in this culture, and especially if you're entrepreneurial, we do not give ourselves reflection time and we don't give ourselves downtime. And kind of when I'm talking to people about a productivity cycle, you got your planning. I think you should start with reflection. So you're clear on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Then you plan, then you do the to-do list. Most people live in that to-do list and they're checking boxes all day. Then you reflect on it and maybe change tactics, reprioritize something, whatever. Then you do self-care. And people are certainly, I mean, maybe they reflect and maybe they plan, but nobody's thinking self-care is required in order for me to get this project done. But it's 100% so important. And they, you know, they, if you have a, if you need proof, they nerd it up and give you all the science in there um, so that you can charge yourself. If, if you are the leader and you are the one who has to take all the risks, you really need to be looking at recharging your batteries. So I know neither of those are like business books. No, they totally are behavioralist person. And I come from that empathetic kind of piece of it. And then I think always Brene Brown's um, Dare to Lead is always um, kind of one of those staples about making sure you're in touch with, you know, where your fears are and all those things. And then I would say, I I can't narrow it down, but when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, you need to read as much as possible, especially if you are a uh, economically advantaged white person, like you need to get that down. I've done, there's so many great ones out there. I would say me and white supremacy must uh, experience and try to get a group. I have a group. We uh, continue to meet. I think, um, I think, uh, white fragility is, is, is really quite good as well. And then, uh, what is it called? I just read it. Cast is epic. Um, and really interesting. If you're a history buff, it's a nice, um, way disturbing, but a nice way to approach and understand, um, marginalization in this country 
and certainly there's been a lot of focus on race, but we marginalize many different types of in groups of people, uh, people with disabilities and you know people who are neurodiverse and all these other things. Um, and so I think having an awareness around that, what's happening unconsciously and what you're allowing society and the people around you to program into your unconscious brain. You know, we, a lot of times act out things that we never would if they were laid out in front of us, what exactly is happening and what's going on. And so I think, um, and I'm early in, I would say from the counseling background, I had some footing under me, but I'm still quite early in my journey in that. And so I just say, the more you can educate yourself, it's not somebody else's job to educate you. And there are amazing resources out there post George Floyd in particular. People are like, we have got to get this into people's heads. What does that look like? And so I think that a lot of the writing that's come out since then has been really, it just gets better and better at helping you make that unconscious conscious. And then when you're good at making the unconscious conscious, like it's not the point of it, but let me tell you, that's gonna help you in business. And that's gonna help you see things that you couldn't see before. It's gonna help you in interpersonal relationships with other people involved mm -hmm. in your business. You just take a little bit of a different framework to that. And, but mostly it's just like the right thing to do. So put those out there. Well, it'll make you a better leader, better decisions. And there's so much, yeah, still so much work to do. So appreciate bringing that up too. Um, cool. Any other thoughts you want to leave us with before we wrap up? I, I think I'll just return to it's not you, it's your tactics. Don't sit there in isolation and helplessness and hopelessness see it as a problem to solve and start experimenting. Understand it's going to be scary and do it anyway. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much, Heather. This was a wonderful interview. Um, really appreciate having you here. Thanks for having me, Sturdy. Thank you for listening.